0: Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the DealMaker Show. So today we have another founder from the startup nation, you know, and I think that we're going to learn a lot, especially, I mean, he was for 13 years in the army. So, uh, I mean, you name it, you know, when it comes to really understanding how to be with uncertainty, how to turn things around, how to find optimism, you know, and, and possibility where others perhaps see problems and he's definitely been at it. And he's been, you know, scaling, uh, building, racing, so uh, you name it. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest today, Or Danon. Welcome to the show. Alejandro, pleasure to be here. So, originally born and raised in Israel. So, how was life growing up
1: there? Uh, life in Israel, I fantastic. It was pretty uh, really relaxed, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, as, as it always is in our country.
0: I hear you, and was there anyone in your family perhaps that was also entrepreneurial or or how did you get that?
1: That's a good question. I guess it sounded sort of a rebound, so as you mentioned in the intro, I spent many years in a big organization it kind of gave me gave me the kick to see how it works uh, at a place where it's not that big, so I just had to help build one to have one to uh, to have one to experience that,
0: of course. You know, typically in, in Israel, my understanding is that you go for, to the army for about three years. What happened to you? Why did you stay there for ten more years?
1: Uh, well, it just kind of happened. Actually, when I was about to recruit, I had a dream of being uh, in the armored corps. I read lots of books about the uh, the Israel uh, tanks, uh, units, and I thought it would be very nice to be in a tank. But uh <laughs> Hey. There all kind of, the army, as you know, it's a very significant component in the Israel uh, technology scene, and there are a couple of uh, units that are heavily technology based. So I was uh, uh, interviewed and recruited for a program called the Talpiot, which is a, it's a basically a nine years deal. So you get three hey. plus six for free. Uh, in the first uh, three years, you study uh, physics and math at the Hebrew University, and in parallel, you do a very extensive set of, uh, of military training, uh, basic training. Uh, I'm, I think I'm a, a certified squad commander, uh, you, you know, the tanks, parachuting, everything, and you learn about how the army works, uh, aircraft, intelligence, and so on. And afterwards, you're kind of the uh, like, uh, graduates uh, spread throughout the Uh, the different military units, and I was uh, uh, positioned in the Israeli intelligence. That's where I spent the next 10 years of my service in the Army. I a little bit more than I have to.
0: And I guess, what what would you say that, you know, because obviously I think that, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm sure that there's many lessons learned and and many things that you took away from, from so many years in the Army, no? But I think that what would you say are the, the, the top three things that you really took away, you know, from the experience being in the Army and, and how do you go about applying them, you know, as,
1: as you, you know, build and scale a business? That's, that's an interesting question. I think the first and foremost lesson that I learned is that the scale of, the scale of opportunity or, or the scale of possibility of what you can do depends on what you allow. To be done uh, the army in general is built on very very young people that are doing world-class top-notch uh, activities uh, so it's very clear the average age in most of the places is uh, well below 30 uh, on one hand, on the other hand people are achieving amazing things so it's not about whether you're young or old but it's much, about, much more about how much you allow yourself to take responsibility. People like to say you take risks, but it's more important that you take responsibility and the result of that responsibility, understand that you need to take risks to uh, be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish. So this is uh, one thing. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible only if you believe it's impossible. Um, and good talent and good spirit make up for many many things not on everything but many many things this is i think one lesson that was very very clear for me seeing how 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 things work for years this is one thing that was interesting uh, just for me to learn
0: so so i guess you know like for i mean from 13 years you know like i I guess that you know obviously without going into into classified, you know, information or anything like that. But is there anything there that was like like a crazy event that perhaps you know like you will tell your, your grandkids that maybe you can disclose um
1: <laughs> there was a, one time uh very funny I worked on a project for a very long, long while and it was tremendously tremendously hard uh, it was one of the hardest things I did in my lifetime. Extremely complex. It's like a system with ten or twelve serially moving parts where every action you take uh only makes effect it takes effect in a couple of weeks time. It's tremendously complex in terms of technology and operations and everything. So it was a long project and we uh, were trying to achieve something that was very important. And with all the glory, eventually it ended up in a computer that had to get some information, and uh, so we we had a first try, for a couple of years of work, and we were waiting all night for something to work, and <clears throat> it didn't. <laughs> all the senior uh, officers were there waiting for to have excited, an exciting moment. We like, okay, seems like nothing happened. Just go home. And after a few weeks' time, we had a second try, and this time no. No senior officer came to waste the night on something that's probably not going to happen. And then, in the middle of the night, one of my uh, uh, soldiers was in charge of sitting in being set in front of the computer. Says, "Oh, the computer crashed," and everybody was saying, mm, "That's a bad problem. That's a, that's a bad thing. It's a problem." I wonder, I wonder why. Why did the computer did it? And then one of the other guys says, hmm, before only never tested the uh, uh, the GUI," and apparently. It was actually a sign that everything worked well and we succeeded it was uh, it was like a very anti-climax moment for years of work um and I learned that you need to test your also your GUI, not only your uh, fancy systems so that's uh, a very uh, nice anecdote from the from the service which was very exciting actually it was one of the biggest achievements that i had during my whole time it was a uh, Various, I, can't um, imagine. I can't imagine
0: and then and then obviously in two thousand sixteen you decide to leave. Why did you decide to leave?
1: Yes, yeah, so that's related to us about what I learned and I, I also learned that uh, in big organizations, no matter how exciting things what exciting things you're doing uh it's very hard at some point when you're new to the organization you're feeling that everything is deep you to, to make the impact at some point you realize the harsh reality in which in a big place you can just step down for a week for a month and for for a year and basically everything will move on and though no it's not like everybody can just step down for a month because then everything will collapse but it kind of drains you away from the drive to to push forward um, and I wanted to To do something in a small place, Uh, somewhere where I can can feel direct implications on my uh, on the things that I'm doing well, and also on on my failures. And I wanted to have a real sense of the ability to fail, which is how maybe looks a bit uh, counterintuitive, but it's very hard to fail in a big organization uh, and and feel directly the impact. So in both ways. I wanted to, something which is more mine which is smaller um so I told my uh, my mother that I intend to leave. and then actually uh, that's what I did at the end of sixteen and started thinking about what to do next uh, where I was, uh why, why did you why did you leave or what what why did you leave? I felt like i'm not getting excited from things that a normal person should be excited about and very frustrated from things that you shouldn't be that frustrated about. And then I realized that I, had, I just had enough. I had enough and I wanted to a change. I wanted to change uh, the biggest change that I could make without uh, getting my wife upset. So I left the uh, army And decided that I want to open a startup. Uh I didn't really care. I I must admit at that point what I want to do. I didn't have a dream of I you know doing a cybersecurity or fintech or semiconductor, that was not the uh, the issue. I just wanted to have the to have this adventure. Okay. So then how did you go about it? I
0: mean uh, obviously, you know you you started like uh, coming up with concepts. I know that there was a really interesting, you know, like a story there as to how you came up with the idea. So, so tell us how how did you come up with this idea?
1: Yes, so at the beginning, I was working with uh, one of the uh, army army five, which was commander of me in the army, and we were working on all kind of. Uh, uh, I saw that you interviewed Tim Zisman few weeks ago, so I cannot say bad things about cybersecurity, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was my field. That was, the last position that I did was uh, heavily related to cybersecurity, I had a relatively large team and a few projects in that area. So we, we wanted to do cybersecurity for IoT, or we thought about doing that, and don't, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not, uh, uh, not saying it's not important, but for me, it was seemed very boring uh, to do it. Uh, since it was something that I basically felt that I I know and I don't see the of course the tremendous challenge and not uh, the tremendous challenge but I feel it I I felt like I would not feel that challenge. So uh, I I had a, I was still a, a, the last weeks of the my work in the army, I, I took a two weeks vacation, go went travelling in the south, southwestern uh, US area on the parks ring and when i came back i set a meeting with rami and i wanted to tell him rami it's not going to work i want to do something different so let's uh, let's split uh when i came to sit with him and tell me oh no, no no forget about that stupid idea of cyber security that's boring i have a really smart friend who has an idea about something really cool that's called the uh, uh, neural networks and artificial intelligence and I said, okay why not let's hear it and that's where when i met avi uh, which became uh, third co-founder and the CTO of the company. And he was then the CTO of Texas Instruments IoT division. And uh, he told me about this deep learning neural networks, which were emerging then. Uh, that, that sounds cool. That's, uh, that sounds useful. And, okay, so what do I want to do about it? I so need to be a for deep learning. <clears throat> I didn't know anything about processors or deep learning. But it sounded cool. It sounded like, sounded like there's a huge gap between what is desirable, what is achievable, and, and what is out there today And that can be filled. And it was very clear, without knowing how we're going to do it. But in order to do it, you need to combine understanding of different disciplines, algorithms, of software engineering, and of uh, Hardware design, so it sounded like a good like a good challenge a good problem uh, a combination where you need very interesting you probably you probably need we didn't know that uh, at this point but we thought it was quite probable to need interesting technology on one hand and there's great need on the other hand so we switched from all the cyber ideas to this uh, idea and we joined the DAO which was the fourth co-founder. Uh the business side of things, and we went to Zohar Zisapem, which is one of the uh, <laughs> leading figures in the high-tech uh, industry, and specifically the startup scene, Uh angel investor and uh, many, many companies in his past. And uh, he said, okay, I'm not really sure I understand what you're trying to achieve, but it's already interesting, and he uh, put the seed money. And appointed himself as the chairman of the company. That's how we got started.
0: Very cool. So then, how did you guys go about getting feedback to make sure that um, you know that you were doing something that perhaps you know, like people, you know, that it would it would address you know a need in the in the market? Yeah, that,
1: that was actually a really, serious, a really big challenge. Um, when you're building a product that takes a few years, I mean, building a process architecture, something that uh, in reality, no matter how fast you are, it takes it's uh, two or three years. And in a market, so you need something with technology which is very fundamental. It's also impacting the way people. For everyone who's been dealing with deep learning, they know, that's especially with deployment of deep learning, it's something that is fundamentally different in the methodology than classical computer software. So people are there's there are new applications, new way to develop these applications. Different markets which are using, which are help, can have benefit from uh, for using uh, AI, from using deep learning. Um, <clears throat> so it was quite a challenge. First, we had to pick our focus on what specific subcategory of, uh, of this field we wanted to uh, address. We chose to go on edge processing, which sounded as was more plausible than cloud not that common view at that point in time now it's a much more common view in this field but uh, then it was kind of a bet and afterwards what i realized that we have to do is we have to do uh, despite the complexity of technology go as i would uh, wouldn't say uh, per se agile but as much as close to agile as we can and do uh, short iterations closing a full stack what is Taking this problem for uh, the space, which is running neural networks all the time and iterating. And we did in one year four iterations on our computer architecture, which is quite a lot, uh, and started showing things to customers in, in, uh, that were willing to listen. And so, around four iterations, we came to, okay, this, this could be a product. And Kind of did a the gear shift and said, okay, now how do we how do we make out of this a real, real process or not just the technology but the product? And actually, we, when we were working then, we had to find an industry that would be interested in what we're doing on one hand, and would be willing to work for the long term, not for the short term. Uh, which is usually not what startups uh, seek to do, but that's that was our schedule. And if we would talk, if we would try to talk to someone who wanted a product like in six months, we were just irrelevant. They wouldn't want to talk to us. And that was actually a very good match with the auto industry, which was in dire need for this kind of technology, still is a dire need for this kind of technology. Uh, On one hand, on the other hand, they looked at timescales of two, three years, uh, which was a good fit for us. Um, So we started with the automotive industry with a clear need. There were customers which were accepting and uh, providing useful feedback. And from there, we expanded to other uh, other use cases, other needs. And as I said, the, the key key point is to get constant feedback and iterate on your uh, core technology and challenge your people to do it, no matter how complex the technology is.
0: Got it. And uh, in this case, you know, I know that um, you know. I wanted to ask you, like, how do you how do you know, especially like when you are getting this feedback? And, you know, you're applying it and you're working on the execution. How do you know that you're working on the right type of stuff, on the right type of perhaps like technology?
1: To some extent, you have to be a believer. You don't, for the things that you know, things that are certain, uh, it's already done in in a market that is in the process of being enabled, emerging. Uh, So this is, on some things, you just, have to uh, make a leap of faith and say I believe the market will go in this direction, and you can and you validate try to validate this with customers in many cases, they don't know where they will be uh, two years from now in a new in these new playing fields of AI uh, so this is one side of thing and the other side of things is to provide customers with something that is meaningful as soon as possible and get feedback on that. That's, uh, that's a fundamental uh, aspect of a very important aspect of uh, of the process. Actually, the first thing that you do when you want to deliver something to a customer and get feedback on that is you force yourself to be prepared for a delivery and then start thinking about all the points of mm, how, do, how do I really expect the customer is going to use this? And this. Just the process of, being, of getting ready to, to work with, with someone uh, makes, you, makes you better. And it's really tempting. In the deeper the deeper tech is, it's more tempting to avoid that and say, not everything is perfect. We don't want to talk to the customers yet. It's a technology that takes three or four years to mature. And I think and let's not disturb the R&D with the things that we know that they're not, not working. And actually, I think you have to invest a significant amount of time uh, on purpose to get feedback on the things that you know that are not working because in the process, you will learn five other things that you need to improve that you did not think about. And you will not wait two years and then find out that you should have started two years ago to work on the other forms.
0: Got it. So so in in your guys' case, you know, for the people that are listening, so that they get it. What ended up being the business model of Halo? Like, how do you guys make money? Yeah, so it's a good
1: time maybe to give some words about, about the company. Halo is the, the category of what's described as a fabulous chip companies, meaning we design processor chips, ASICs. We fabricate them you know, in a, in a silicon foundry in the Far East, where everybody basically is making their there. So we don't we don't own the factory, but we own the design. so in manufacture, we sell it to you. So you can say we are something like Intel. Uh, or we hope to be something like Intel. Uh, th- so this is in terms of the product that we sell. The technology uh, is stack is one of aspects of, of course the hardware, the design of the hardware itself. But the bigger part of it is actually the uh, technology stack, which you usually you already. Most of the people in technology I use to ignore all that compilation stack, the build stack that makes programs run on the hardware. So all these kind of uh, compile compilation technologies, uh, these are things that we provide with the processor. And they're actually the way that our users interact with the product.
0: Got it. So so then obviously I know that uh, in your case, you know, you guys have raised quite a little bit in terms of uh, funding. How much capital have you guys raised today? okay
1: um yeah we've raised eighty eight i think million dollars uh overall uh over the years Most of that venture capital yeah
0: go ahead go ahead most of it is yeah, venture most capital. of it is venture
1: capital, but we actually also used uh capital from grants uh, mm-hmm. the european horizon twenty twenty program and the israel innovation authority which were both very supportive and very helpful. Uh, it's a long journey, and uh, you need to find the mixture of things that help you at different points in time. Uh, we recently announced our last, uh, last round, or B round, uh, which uh, was uh, uh, led by our previous investors and joined by some of our customers, including uh, Japan, NEC, which is a huge company in the field of video analytics and uh, access control, <clears throat> public safety, and uh, ABB, which is a very big industrial uh, automation company uh, based okay. in Switzerland and Sweden. We are very, very happy to see that uh, that customers are, uh, you know, it's really encouraging to see that your customers believe in the company uh, in such a I would say, significant uh, vote of confidence.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And I know, you know, now talking more about the team, you know, uh, I know that, you know, there was um, quite a dramatic event that happened. uh, And, you know, you originally didn't start as the co-founder and CEO of the business. You started more on the R&D, you know, um, part of the team, you know, co-founder and and R&D. Uh, but I know that you're co-founder. You know, like uh, obviously, there's certain events that happened there that you know ended up you know having you as the CEO. So what happened? Yeah, that's right. Um,
1: I've mentioned uh, Rami uh, uh, previously this, in this talk, and he was uh, uh, like he was managing the he was commanding the unit that I served in, um, and he started as the CEO. It was extremely extremely good uh, partner and a, a fantastic leader. We um, Five months after we started the company, it was uh, summertime and he was at the Mediterranean Sea. There were very strong currents swimming there. Uh, very nice weekend, but uh, it's very, the Mediterranean can be very misleading in that sense. And he just uh, got carried away with the, with the currents and drowned. It was a complete shock. I was... Uh, I was on the I got a phone call uh, from, from a shared friend and told him that you, you're mistaken it cannot happen to Rami and I said no no it did happen um, I remember the day after we were at uh, so Isabel the company's chairman and then it was the seed. it was after the seed he was the main investor sitting in his office thinking okay what are we going to do uh, it was uh, me and my two other co-founders, Avi and Nadal. um And the first instinct was, okay, we need to find, just need to find another Rami. Just need to find someone that's extremely charismatic, uh, is it going, uh can be uh, really uh, nice and minded video but on the other hand, knows a lot about technology. Or the other, but is really uh, able to delegate the decisions and everything okay, we just need to find that another person like him and uh, it was like the first thought afterwards and I, we went afterwards to the company, the offices, but then something like fifteen people I think and we uh, just uh, said okay guys we are we keep on working. I knew that we had to tell, give everybody the uh, the feeling that things are under control, because what that's what people needed at that point in time, and of course yeah. we let them uh, encourage them to express their emotions and thoughts and everything. You know, they're programmers; they don't show too many emotions, but from uh, time to time they do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And after funeral you know, and everything. Started uh, looking for a CEO, and Zor has a really tremendous name in Israel. So, he actually attracted many, uh, many candidates. And after interviewing a couple, we realized that it's not, we're not interviewing a CEO, you're CEO, interviewing a, a co founder, a partner. And we realized it's more about the team. And then at some point, I told my other two partners that i think that i should take i should take the job and they agreed and with this we came to, uh, to zone and said yeah i think that's the, the right thing to do and i wow. took uh and i took the position it was a really uh i don't know instinct decision instinctive decision uh had a very comfortable life, uh, you know, as a as a R&D. You only had to take care about this technology, which yeah. is uh, very well-behaved. Then you uh, go out to the real world. So that's how I became the CEO.
0: Wow. Well, I'm sure that your co-founder is looking down and proud of you. I mean, you guys have definitely come a, a long way. So uh, what, a, what a remarkable journey. So. So I guess for the folks that are listening, you know, just to get an idea of of your guys size, I mean, anything that you can that you can share like around maybe like number of employees or anything.
1: Yes. Um the company is 90 people strong. Uh we have, a, we have the headquarters is in Tel Aviv. Yeah, the process of expanding uh to different to different geographies. Uh as, as usual with Israeli startups, they don't serve the, the local market, which for most American firms seems uh, a bit odd. But there is almost no uh, local market in Israel. So we have to think international from, uh, from day one. Uh, but another thing is that since we're not in a cyber or IT company, our audience is spread throughout the world. So we have uh, uh, quite a couple of customers in the Far East in Europe, and also, of course, in North America. Um, started opening our first office in Japan. We'll afterwards, expand to other geographies, at least. Uh, most of the company at uh, this stage is still uh, R&D, so at least uh, 80% of the company. It's a really big project to build a processor. Uh, uh, and as we are moving towards from technology to product and productization, uh, we're starting to look at the scale of things. So it's different from like here we're working with a very few customers, these days we're working with a few dozens, and uh, scaling up is, uh, is interesting. Naturally, our customers are big companies, uh, if you look, think of the automotive industry, the, the big names that you know, and they're demanding uh, and very uh, skilled. Tell. Got it. So I guess uh,
0: now you know, like, uh, or you know, like, your journey as an entrepreneur, I mean, is remarkable. You know, also, you know, like, the, all the years that you spent in the army. So I guess you know, like, one of the questions that I typically ask the guests that come on the show is, if you had the opportunity to go back in time and and have a chat with your younger self, with that younger or that maybe was was thinking about launching a startup, if you if you could go back in time and and, and speak to yourself. You know, knowing what you know now, knowing what you know now, what would be that one piece of business advice that you would give to yourself before launching a business and why?
1: First of all, I would not allow myself to talk to my younger self. That would uh, be a, <laughs> a disaster. But uh, right. I think uh, it's quite a trivial lesson. It's, uh, but you still have to learn it uh, with your own. Uh, uh, with the thing is... Uh, the people that you choose to work with this is there's no uh overstating the importance of the, uh, of the team that you're building every selection that they made of key from key personnel and also to the to the employees every uh, good property that i was able uh, uh, good character that I was able to get and uh, be on my team. Uh I've seen it uh, multiplied by a thousand every problem that I've created by putting wrong people at the wrong position was amplified and and, it, and everything is based on people. So think really really carefully about who you're putting, who you're in which position, who you're taking with you to the journey. And who you're saying? Okay, you no, know, this. Sorry, but just won't work uh, for both of us. So everything in the startup is based on the people that you uh, take with you. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And I and I love that. And I love that. Or it's all about it's all about the people for sure. And the 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 people that you share the journey with. So, or for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Just shoot me an email. Or at Halo.ai, feel free. Amazing. Well, Orr, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker show today. Thank you, Alejandro. It was very, uh, very nice. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help,